I will say this honestly on camera for the record. Emma Jackson's the last business partner I've ever had in my life. I'm not ever doing this again. When it came down to it, I had designs, I had logos, I built a website, I did all of this, and uh, they fell through. They just, you know, got bored with the idea and they just had moved on. Welcome back to the Journey Podcast. I'm your co-host, Emma Jackson. And I'm Jose. And today we are going to be talking about partnerships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because let me tell you, if there's one make or break thing in business, it's choosing a partner and potentially choosing the wrong partner. So today, 100%. I'm going to talk to my business partner, and we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about what it's like for us to be partners together, but also what we've learned from past partnership experiences. Facts. For a second, I felt I was in the frying pan when you said, I'm going to talk to my business partner. No, but I think we have, you have so much experience. I've only had a few you know, dipped my toe into partnerships, but okay. you have actually, you tell me, you've had like a long track record of working with people. Yeah, I think I've been at seven or eight business partners right now. Dang, and how do you feel about that? I've learned a lot throughout the course of the years. <laughs> how many business partners have you had? Well, I'm I'm a little younger, you know? Shots um, fired. No, I, <laughs> no I, uh, I've only ever had a couple of different business partners. So I worked, we got started where we actually were part of the startup originally that, you know, dis disappeared. We should never talk about that startup again. And, but it's important, talking about partnerships. I worked with my family, which is a very complicated sort of partnership. And then just, you know, my experience stems more from, oh, and then when I was in high school, I started an LLC with, you know, a group of kids. And basically, it's I learned through growing up that in-group project scenarios, I was usually the one that did the work, and other people just got the credit. So I wasn't really a big fan of, of partnerships, actually. So it's interesting that I'm in one now. Mm -hmm. Our partnership is different, though. We, uh, we saw a gap in the market, and we took it. So mm -hmm. And then we... I think everybody tells us this. Our, we're so different. Um, it kind of benefits us. Yes, as long as we can get along. Mm, that's the hardest part. <laughs> no, but I'm really curious to know because it is so hard if you're starting out or if you're just at a point where you realize you're overwhelmed, you need some help, which is a hard thing to identify. I'm just, I'm curious to know what you, how you chose your business partners or how you fell into working with these different people. Yeah, so I'm different in a sense from like you and your experiences. I always saw, so I've always been a true like kind of like entrepreneur, I say. It's like I have a vision and idea for business and I'm not the one actually creating, doing the actual labor for the business. I am the one that's like, hey, okay, I want to open my favorite example, the barbershop. I want to open a barbershop. Why do I want to open the barbershop? It's a business that can last 50 years. Great. Now it's like, okay, let's look at the market. Barbershops are usually run by owner-operators um, or straight-up contractors, right? Or if you go to, like, a sports club situation, you're more like an employee-based scenario. Well, I identify as, like, I don't want to be the one going back to school to learn um, cutting hair, so I had to find a qualified person to actually run the shop for me. A.K.A. comes my very person, Mikey, to run the barbershop for me. So, essentially, what I did is, like, I find individuals that can actually produce the material that we're going to sell, the product that we're going to sell, and then that's the partnership is born there. And what value do you provide in that partnership? For, uh, so, for me, I provide more of, like, the financing, the structuring, the marketing, everything pretty much operational. They just have to focus on doing the best possible job of cutting hair, creating the product, you know creating the website. You know what's interesting? We were just talking about in a recent episode, I made that controversial statement that... A lot of times, 
business owners, they're really good at their skill or their profession, but they're not a very good business owner. Mm -hmm. You're basically saying, do your profession, kill it, build up the customer base, you know, do the amazing services, but I got you on building the business. Exactly. And then, so some of my partnership haven't been 50-50 split. I only been like a 10 or 15% owner. And then some of them I've been 100% or 90% ownership pretty much basically. So it's just all difference on the industry, the, the individuals I'm with. I take the philosophy and when it comes to partnership in a sense that I don't need to own 100%. Um, like if you think about Elon Musk or uh, Jeff Peso, they own very small shares of the companies that they run, right? So, but they're yet the richest people on this planet. Why? Because I found the power in the collaboration of partnerships. No, absolutely. What about you? I think I have um, typically found opportunity with the people that I surround myself with. So I love, I just get really excited about anything. I'm really creative. I have a bunch of ideas. And so when there's someone that I am spending time with that's passionate about something and they're like, hey, I, I have this idea or do you think we could make this a thing? All of a sudden my mind runs a million miles an hour and I can see 10 years down the road. I can see how we can scale, grow and build something and I want to jump on board. So like the first time it happened it was when I was in high school and I had a musician friend who was really, really good and was just starting out. You started a music company? No. What? I started a merch company okay. for the musician. <laughs> because why? That was my that was like my realm of, you know, work. So it was like we were gonna have merch, we had like a whole slogan, we had all this stuff. I I jumped ahead of the game because I was young and I didn't know and I set up everything legally, like airtight, exactly as it was supposed to. I did a lot of research on my own. Mm. And um, I can see that I'm like all I needed, I was like, okay, in order for this to work, obviously you have to be the spokesperson for your merch. Like you have the audience, all this stuff. When it came down to it, I had designs, I had logos, I built a website, I did all of this. And uh, they fell through. They just, you know, got bored with the idea and they just had moved on. Like, when I commit to something, I commit hard. No. So that was hard for me because I'm very passionate. Finding a partner that could match me on passion and, like, work ethic, you were the only person I met at all. Like, that's why you stood out to me in the beginning was because I was like, who is this guy? Because he's actually working very hard. And, you know, I think in our startup, the original version, before, like, when we had originally met, these Jose brought me into, hey, like, I have this crazy idea. I want to bring you in as a marketing person. There were four of us. The other two were like critical to building this platform. Mm -hmm. And we were, they were the tech people, cybersecurity and tech, people. and we were marketing and business. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we were the ones that did all the work. And then they backed out at the last minute when they realized stuff was starting to get serious, which was kind of the trend for me. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we have to, I mean, for me and you, um, mostly for me, I kind of identify the failure point real quickly on that situation that happened to you. I also went through the same exact thing. Um, but for me, it's like, okay, it, the way I flipped it was that if I take 100% of the liability, at that point in time, that individual doesn't feel that pressure of like, oh, this is going to fail, then I'm going to have to owe X amount of money, I'm gonna, all this stuff. Um, I take a bigger cut because I'm taking all the liability, but let's them focus on that craft. And if they're really passionate about that, about that craft, and if I did a good job vetting them and qualifying them for this, then we should be good. Interesting. Tell me, because you weren't always this way, though, right? You did have partnerships, and I know that some of them didn't always go as planned. Mm -hmm. So do you have any experiences where anyone let you down? 100%. I think in the course of life and this, this road that we walk in, um, we learn from our mistakes. And some of the partnerships, like um, I opened a landscaping company one time. We let say one season. We had some pretty big jobs, and we were doing good. And then 
um, he owned fifty percent of the company. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know what? I am gonna move to Florida. I'm like, what? We just had a successful season, like, bro. We got all these clients, and we're gonna move into snow removal. Like, we got this. And he's like, nah, I'm done. I just want to go to Florida. So that really taught me to like kind of realign. Um, beforehand, like a five year trajectory, like what you really want to do for your job. You know, what I'm saying five years from now, it kind of helped me in the vetting process for the for the partnership. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you had experience like that too. Yeah, um, I think that. I run fast and I'm really ambitious. And it, what I learned early on was that you have to have conversations. If you want someone to be a potential business partner, no matter how excited you guys are right now, you have to make sure that you're aligned on the same goals and that you have a plan that you both agree on. Because the biggest thing I hear outside of personality differences is that you end up growing apart because you want different things. I think, see, that's crazy to me because at the same time, we're humans. We're constantly evolving. Even like That's you why you check in with each other. Mm -hmm. It can't be like, this is our 20-year plan. That's kind of unrealistic. But what do you want from this business? What do you want from it over the next year or the next two years? Like, that is a reasonable time frame. Because if you want to turn this business into, you know, this, but I want to turn it into that, and it's so far apart, a lot of times... I think people jump into businesses like they sometimes jump into relationships. They do it quickly with a lot of excitement and energy <laughs> behind it. And they haven't necessarily had the hard conversations because when you're excited about something, you just want to jump in and you don't want anyone to, you know, pour water on all your fun, right? But the reality is those hard conversations are what make your partnership work in the long term. Yeah. I I have nothing to add. You did it. I agree with you 100%. But let's flip it. What about in the leadership aspect? In the partnership, have you had any trouble, even like in the partnership that you had with your family and the leadership of that? Who took the reins? How do you identify? Take who took? You know who did what? So I think that working with family is really hard, especially when you. I I didn't have a blueprint. I didn't know what I was doing, and there were a lot of factors that were against. I feel like against us. The hardest part about working with family, and I'll also throw in working with friends, too. Ooh, I was going to add that. Yeah, mm. so um, the hardest part by far is that as much as you don't want those lines to blur, they will blur. I heard this really good snippet from a Brene Brown podcast, and they were talking about, I think it was Brene Brown and Simon Sinek, about how we talk about, oh, yeah, we're family at the office, and like how that's actually like a kind of toxic statement because the reality is the business, you have to do what's in the best interest of the business. Your job as employees, as leadership is to continue the best interest of the business. Otherwise, there are no staff members. Otherwise, the business can't continue and no one is here. And so they were talking about that dangerous distinction between family and staff. And I'm over here thinking, but what if your actual family <laughs> is your staff? And it's so hard. And at the time, there was a time period where after my dad died, I had moved back home to be close to my family and then COVID hit. So for a short period of time, my mom, my brother and I were all living in the same house and we were all working together and it almost killed us because I think you need some degree of separation. You know, and something happens bad in the workday. Or how do you express your frustration at your colleague who's also your mom, who's also your brother, you know? Um, how do you set boundaries and expectations? How do you realign things that are already really hard? 
becomes so much more difficult. Yeah, so I did work with my family. Um, out of my, so my both of my sisters worked for me, my dad worked for me, and my mom worked for me. Out of all of them, the best rela- working relationship I've ever had was with my mom, because she can really identify. Could this what she? I guess she has such a so many years working in the bank system, and then also uh, being a manager in the banks. You know what I'm saying? On the of loan on department, that she was really good to like kind of isolate what's work and not work. So she's like, cool. I gotta. She was our bookkeeper for a while. She was like, oh boom, I gotta, you know, categorize this, do this, boom boom boom. Oh, you need translations, boom, say less, boom. You know what I'm saying? My sisters, on the other hand, they're a little bit more emotional. And then create a conflict. My dad is my dad. <laughs> he's goofy. He be, he's one of the hardest working um, persons I've ever met in my life. You know what I'm saying? I think I got it from him where um, I saw him growing up in the church, always kind of remodeling the church, always constantly working the church. He's a pastor. And then translated over into his personal, right? And then when he worked for us and like before his heart attack, um, he was always the same way. So me and my dad really bonded of like when I, you know, remodeled my house or the rental properties or something, he was always like my little handyman until he had the heart attack. But it was always, that was a connection for me. So both my parents, great working relationship. My sisters, I'm in a way I'm kind of jealous. I, um, we figured out a groove, but it took us, I think it took us a lot longer than expected, but also we were dealing with trauma and grief and you know trying to get things back to where they needed to be and also I didn't like I didn't have a lot of leadership experience and I take a large degree of credit for making the situation harder than it has to be you know so and working now I'm actually we have hired a good friend of mine to consult with us for the month on the uh the growth of this podcast and I was worried because this is the first time I think ever that I've really brought that we've ever brought in like a good friend that is also that is so incredibly qualified to be here but I was like hmm I want to make sure that our friendship retains throughout this time and that we accomplish the goals and I realize now that I finally feel like I'm at a stage with my maturity and communication skills and you know he certainly is as well that we're able to identify these are the goals. These are the expectations because we talked before, right? And this is what we're going to accomplish. Oh, and this is how we're going to keep our friendship. I think from I think uh, for me and my dad and my mom, I think the biggest blessing was they never, like I, uh, we never had money issues. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like my dad money never, my dad, my dad never charged me money for his labor. I just gave him money. You kind of feel me? Mm-hmm. So let's say, like, I was like, Papi, come paint the shop for me. So he, he goes over painting. He's like, oh, I need 50 bucks for materials. Cool. I give him, like, 300 bucks. And he'd be mm-hmm. happy. Sometimes I give him 50 bucks and be like, hey, I need a little gas money. Then I'm like, here, it's 100. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that funny how uh, everything seems to work really well when there's enough money? But when there's not enough money, that's when stuff gets so tight. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so blessed with my parents. And I would say this, I love my parents to death. That even when I didn't have money to pay them, they still came through. And they never kind of, like, acts. They just did the labor. You got to feel me? I don't know. It's just my dad always said, like, he's just so proud of me and, like, what I've accomplished. That he just want to be part of, like, the movement, kind of in a sense. So, I think it's just understanding the dynamics. Communication was the biggest thing. Communication, aligning expectations, and just also understanding personalities. I think that... Sometimes 
it can work out amazingly, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and your your mom, for example, can work super well together. But your sisters, right? You were like, I don't know about that. Like, our personalities don't really go together. This doesn't, you know, make the most sense. I would say the same about my sibling. Maybe it's a sibling thing. Like, we, our relationship has drastically improved, and he is so much happier now that we don't work together. I'm so, like, you know, it, it just, we are both able to do what we love without impeding on the other one. And I feel like my mom and I were able to get into much more of a group than my brother and I. And that's just because of our personalities and the way that we communicate. So, okay. So, in the last what three years, four years, we've been, we've been working together. What have you learned from a partner? Hmm. I've I'm learned... curious. To, I'm honestly curious to see what she says about this. People. Yeah, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I'm like low key, kind of scared, but I'm kind of interested. Hmm. What have I learned? I got my answer. What have you learned? Uh. All right, so let's be honest. Um, communication, it's Emma's very different in communication style than I am or any of my other partners. Um, so understanding that I have to communicate better to the audience that's listening. It's my responsibility, not the listener's responsibility. Number two, I've learned that the way I handle leverage or money it's not the way that you see leverage or money. You have different comfort levels. So understanding the respect of boundaries and communication to let you know what I'm doing before I do it gives you more peace of mind. And then you're like, I say less. Then I go do it. You kind of for me versus like, hey, I took a hundred two thousand dollar loan. You're like, what? You know what I'm saying? So shocker. That made me feel (laughs) uncomfortable. Um, I think definitely the communication thing. We have wildly different communication styles. And something I learned through working with you is that there are people that are from low-context cultures and people that are from high-context cultures. Mm-hmm. And you can be from the same like the same culture in terms of we can both be born and raised in the U.S., but have different, you know, communication styles. So I'm a very high-context individual. Everyone in my family is. That means we're going to give you lots of detail. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to give you too much information. Mm-hmm. And we make it as clear as possible. You come from a low-context culture. A lot of it is interpretation body language, and um, context. I struggle a lot with I wonder, context. I wonder if that's because I'm Latino, and our words can mean so many different things. It just depends on the context of using those words. And they like the tone that you're using that word can mean mm-hmm. completely different things. Maybe that. I don't and know. I remember discovering this TED Talk after having a particularly frustrating, oftentimes, other people have noticed this, we're trying to say the same thing, but we're not hearing each other. Casey. And, <laughs> and, um, and it's, I don't know, maybe we're also very stubborn and bullish and it can be hard to, to listen. But I remember this watching this TED Talk about high and low context cultures. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And translating that into the workplace. I've also learned things about, you know, different ways that we communicate. So Jose, I learned that, you know, one of the best ways to communicate with you, because in part you're very fast paced, you're low context, and you also have dyslexia, which means no matter what, you're not going to look at a giant paragraph of text and you're not going to read it. It's just like it, it just like fades out to you, right? You know what but I've, no, what, what I've learned is I send you bullet points. Mm-hmm. I give you just what you need to do, action items, whatever it may be, in the shortest mode possible, and that's a way that I've adapted to communicating with you. The other thing I have learned is that we have to respect one another and allow each other to lead in our own departments. 
we are both alphas. We are both go, go, go leader types. And I absolutely have to respect you and your leadership style, even if it is different from me. And I have this internal belief that I am always right. And I think, aren't you the same way? Partially, yes. <laughs> 100%. He's the same way. I he mean, literally says, I'm always right. <laughs> yeah, but if you can debate me and I can realize I'm getting schooled, then I'm going to say less. Oh, I'm right. the same way. I actually really respect a good, a yeah. good debate. But yeah, so just learning how to, I think respect is huge. Communication is huge. Making sure you're on the same page. I wonder if you recommend partnerships to people. Because part of me doesn't recommend them. Part of me does recommend them. I think you have questions you need to ask yourself. The first is, if you're, let's talk about partnerships in terms of actual like equity. You are giving someone equity in the business and they are going to be working alongside of you. Then you really got to think about it for the long term. How much do you really need them? Is this the only way that you're going to be able to move this company forward? For us, there, we, there was no, like there is no idea farm by VM Digital without either one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, and we both brought something that was so crucial to the table that it wouldn't have become this if it had just been one of us. Yeah, because I was doing more of like consulting. What was I doing? Consulting, reselling, financial structuring, yeah. consulting, legal, all of this stuff that was such a powerhouse. And I was marketing. I had, I had my little team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you really need to evaluate. Do I absolutely need a partner? And if the answer is Maybe consider having an employee, you know, not someone who has so much of a stake in the future of the company forever. Second thing is you need to evaluate, can that person sell? If you can't sell your product or that person can't sell a product at all, he's worthless to you. I will say, though, there are a lot of partnerships that have a balance where there's one person that develops the product and the other person that sells it. So, you you know, like, that's that's common in the tech yeah. world, you know, because... Not necessarily. Sometimes in the tech world, too, like, the person that develops a product has to go on, pitch it, understand it. I'm saying find the balance that works for you and figure out what your skills are, figure out what you're missing. And also, it's usually a 100 million times better if you know the person. I knew you at least two years before we actually started working together and you consulted an app before we actually even and then we had the baby startup as mm-hmm. a side project before we ever decided to go into business like as our main venture together so i had gotten to see how you lead a team how you work under pressure the amount of effort you're willing to put in because that's the biggest thing is most people it feels like there's an unequal amount of effort yeah have you ever felt like there's an unequal amount of effort um with our relationship. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the hot seat right now. I don't know how to answer this question. I think you should answer truthfully. I'm um, asking because I want to show people that even good <laughs> partnerships are not easy partnerships. So if I'm going to be fully honest and tra- transparent, is that a word? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's a word. Um, damn, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> I would have to say yes um, because it's been different stages of... Um, ramp up what i mean by ramp up is like the company's going in one direction and i'm already seeing like two or three steps ahead that hey this like this wall is going to dry up pretty quickly um and we need to do a shift i sometimes i'm choosing my words very carefully right now <laughs> uh, there is a a delay on how fast you pick up and move and then in that transition period i'm the one that's kind of like selling setting the operations and getting the things in, in order 
the benefit about having a partner in this situation, even though sometimes um, Emma's a little slow to move in my direction, when she does move in my direction, she sees what I already have started. And she's like, okay, we can make this better and efficient, X, Y, and Z. Okay, going to give an example. Last year um, in March area, we revamped our website development um, processes because of a client mishap, miscommunication with a client. It was something extremely dumb. And I was like, this is pointless having so many levers of communication if there's no documentation. So um, I jumped into the department. I said, screw it. We're going to move this way. This is how we're going to operate. If our clients don't like it, so well be it. And this is the new procedures. It took about a month, but then you jumped on board in the idea. And you're like, oh, I like this. But we actually can make it better if we do X, Y, and Z. And by doing that X, Y, and Z, the processes went from, I think, a couple, like what, 16 to 20 weeks of development down to like eight weeks of development. So that's the benefit of having a partner. Try to comfort myself. Go for it. <laughs> what about you? You feel unequal? I don't think there's anything to to cover yourself on because there have been times that I felt like the work is unequal too. There are times where you are in operations land. Now I think we both are involved in we both client flirt. work. Yeah, and we but both there have flirt. been times, and we've learned so much, there have been times where I was the only one directly handling all of our client work in terms of overseeing our team and everything. And that can feel so overwhelming. And I would feel so alone. But so, you know what's funny is, I guess it's not funny, it's just something you learn is, I did not communicate to you that I needed help or that I didn't communicate to you the workload because we have an ebb and flow sort of sort of work. Yeah, so let, let's let's go with some context clue, right? Let's get personal on this episode now. When you get into a partnership, right, um, especially with me and Emma, I had a, a way of operating. I had a team we sold um, for a contractor base, means like if we were doing financial consulting for a client or we we're doing structuring consulting for a client to help them restructure the LLC, make it more efficient, whatever it was. It was like we sold the product, we handed it off to the lawyers, the lawyer did the work. Very low touch. Very low touch. Very right? low touch. High profit margins though, which it was, it gave me the flexibility to go golfing with my friends almost single, every single, single day. Um, it was a very free, it was a freedom to that lifestyle, right? To that type of business. I decided to open and move into marketing um, for more like tax reasons and a easier way to expand what we're doing by reselling your services. At the time I came with the idea with the merger to Emma, it was like, hey, I want to move into selling websites cause I, or digital ads because I got a couple of clients asking for this. Let me get like a 20% profit margin. I mean, like a little commission. I sell your services, you do the work. And then I was like, cool. I think that was kind of the first time we kind of flirted with the idea of a merger. When I came into this, when we actually fast forward six, seven, eight months after months of negotiation about the merger, we actually become uh, embedded business partners. Um, I see that Emma is the limitation of Emma's ability to scale the company was she was her own worst enemy when it comes to the being a bottleneck. Why? And I would say this honestly, she was put in a position where she had to step up in so many different ways so rapidly. That I didn't know how to take myself out of the process. Exactly. And then me, I've always been out of the process. When you look at any of my companies, I don't yeah. do the labor. I And I had no, I had tried so hard, but when you set, uh, it's like I had, I had made my own trap. I had a very, very high quality product that I knew I could deliver, but I didn't know how did. to deliver it 
without being so involved in it. Exactly. And then another thing we... So that was... Okay, so let's identify that, right? She became part of the process, and it was hard for her to take her out of the process. So when I came in, I'm like, I don't know where I fit in this process. And then Emma, real quickly, like, if you guys know Emma, she says what's on her mind. She's like, hey, you're acting like an investor, now my business partner. I joined Forces to you to help me. I was like, I, I, cool, I got you. I'm tracking. Um, so the second thing I figured, I figured out real quickly was... The procedures in place were meant to benefit the team members, but not the overall company and profit and productivity and then profitability. Yeah. So we had to make a, a quick pivot and adjustment. I'm like, hey, you're developing a product that's worth twenty thousand dollars. She was selling it for like five thousand dollars. Right? So we had to change the pricing scales. On top of that, we had to figure out ways to eliminate Emma from the equation to speed up the process, which by proxy created a lot of conflict within the organization. Yeah. And that became extremely kind of hard to navigate this water. So second lesson I learned about partnership is is if you're getting in, in, in a complicated merger with a company, you have to identify these problems beforehand. So when you come into the equation, you already have a plan of action, which I did not have at the time. I completely agree. We thought we talked about it. Mm. You know, we thought we had talked about us and we had talked about our goals, but we had not talked about the realities of what it would look like working together. And when you identified ways to make the process better and take me out of it, I was like, thank God, I can't wait. But our team members have become so reliant on me. I had let them become so reliant on me because I want to be helpful. I want to help people. That can be my biggest curse because what did I do? I didn't create a team that worked with autonomy. I didn't, you know, at this point I had a few different employees, not family, that were um, really talented, but they had gotten away with putting a lot of the work back on me. And Jose had identified, oh, they can do this and they can do this. We can speed up the workflow like this. And I'm petty. So there's, when I'm, when I, I'm I'll be honest, I am petty sometimes. I I had a couple of situations where a couple of employees lied to me. Remember this? And I was like, all right, bet. I tracked their times to the minute. <laughs> and I was like, you're actually saying you're working 40 hours and you're really working 10 hours. The other 30 hours, what are you doing? What are your time? And, and there those was... are hard conversations you have to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there were times where people straight up said, oh, that's Emma's job. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. For this, <laughs> oh, that's Emma's job. And Jose's, so mad. <laughs> Jose's like, why? Because... <laughs> While she's doing the work that you were so capable of doing, she can't get sales for the company. She can't grow the company. She can't do all of this so that we can, you know, grow and get paid more and all of this stuff. And that is so hard. And some people ended up getting on board and becoming great assets to the company. Other people. We had to let go. Yeah. And that's another thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. And that's another thing we had to focus on, right? Is how to, and I said earlier that your business partner needs to sell. Emma never had the ability to become a developer herself as a great salesperson while she was running the company. Because I was doing all of the work. <laughs> but the moment we took her out, her mind was more free to actually have networking events, have conversations with people, develop the product. Because you have product. to, I feel, I've learned, in order to learn how to sell, it is a skill and you have to practice. Put, practice and practice and practice. And so, yes, I had been in meetings and yes, you know, I had gone out and done cold sales, but not consistently over a long enough period of time to genuinely understand and it's scary and it's not something that I think anyone wakes up and or is born with being like I'm an amazing salesperson whatever at least most people I know it takes practice so one thing I learned about partnerships right especially this partnership between us right I was never a true leader in a sense in a leading of team of people I left companies and employees but it was not like I 
everybody was so micromanaged in a sense from other companies because they you hired a job i don't have to bug you get it done you get paid we got equal split you know your rules i might know i know my rules but in this company i truly had to become a leader in a sense i had to humble myself put myself in the back of the pack make sure you guys had all the tools and resources you guys need to do your jobs properly and then foresee the next couple steps so for me it was like because you're like was I want you to be the CEO? You're more capable than me. And I was like, I don't know if I'm more capable than you. I just think you had skills at the time. I was like, I, one day I do want to be a CEO. One day I do want to lead the show. But right now I need to learn how it's done. And yeah. I need to be able to expand my skill set. Yeah. And then the beautiful thing about that is like once I was able to kind of figure out that flow of how to actually lead the team, we got we became way more productive. We became way more profitable. And look where we are now. I will say something that's really important to note. I had a very hard time giving up the reins in leadership. I did not say that. <laughs> and I really struggled with having another dominant personality in the business that would call me out on my bull. And that would push me and challenge me. I have such a presence that I'm used to getting my way and not just in terms of I don't bully people, but I'm really good at convincing them that the She's way a that I want to debater. <laughs> <laughs> she went to debate school. <laughs> and um, I did not know how to properly respond when there was someone else that had experience that had a, you know, a vision and a direction to go in. And it was not the direction that I wanted to go in. I think that one of the best things that we did for our partnership and that I would highly recommend for anyone that's in a business partnership is consider doing business coaching, working with someone else in the room that you can just share your thoughts, your frustrations, develop processes until you get to a point where you can equip the skills where you can do it yourself. Because sometimes you have to have hard conversations and your emotions can get in the way of having a productive conversation. So that's been really useful for us. Yeah. I don't think there's ever going to be a point in our career or anybody's anybody's career that it's in a partnership that you're always going to be happy. Yeah. I think it's a constant reevaluation. It's like love, right? When you're in a relationship or in marriage, you're constantly trying to reunite that fire, making sure you're prioritizing your wife, you're making sure you prioritize your husband, for example, giving them the attention and dedication that they deserve. Same thing with a partnership and, and for us. If we just go cold turkey and focus on just the day-to-day -day tasks, the long-term vision of the company um, fails. The the communication between us will break down, right? Our wants and needs are not going to be aligned. Mm -hmm. Our goals are not going to be aligned. And that so, means we have to keep communicating because where we're at six months from now or two years from now, we may want different things. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I would say, too, um, and being fully transparent, is like understanding that if you do go into a partnership, the most important person in the company is your partner. We've been through so many different employees trying to find the right team to surround ourselves with. And at the end of the day, is like that person that's sitting next to you, like for me, it's Emma Jackson, is the most valuable player we have on our team. Because she's going to have my back, even though when I don't think she has my back, she has my back. She is can that Yeah, that's a little key. <laughs> Not playing. But for real, like that person, it's like, think about it like a brother or sister in a sense where they get under your skin they boil your blood they know that you know they're right and you don't want to admit it you're like hmm i gotta go back to my little corner 
but they all they want from you is the best because you guys have a, a common goal. You know, sometimes an employee, as great as they are, they're not going to be fully transparent with you because they might be intimidated. Like, oh, that's my boss. I have to say yes. And also, they don't have the same vested interest. We mm-hmm. literally both have ownership in this company. And we company. are putting everything on the line to make this happen. And so at the end of the day, I know that no one else will work harder. Yeah. No one else will put in as much energy. No one else cares. They cannot care to this level. Like Gary Vee said... Stop treating your employees like they're going to care about your business as much as you do. There is mm-hmm. no way that that's possible. But you at least, I felt so alone after a while of navigating the business world alone. And yes, I had family and really good team members at different points, but I still wanted someone that I could learn from, someone that could back me up. And someone that I felt like we both had the same vision. I'm really ambitious. And I wanted someone who was super ambitious. You know what? Think about it right now. We've been on we've been on two different journeys, right? And I want to say two different journeys in a way, two different forms of education. Right? You've been learning more about operations, financing, financial literacy, all that stuff, right? And then for me, the last couple of years has been more about leadership, communication, long-term strategy. Because we're growing and we're sharing and we're learning from each other, Mm -hmm. which is what a good partnership should be. Exactly. Now, here's the question, and you need to answer this. Would you recommend this to people? Yes or no? Would you go back three or four years ago, five years ago, I can't remember at this point, I think it was three or four years ago, um, and say, Jose, yeah, I'm down to do this merger that took six months to negotiate. (laughs) I would would have a lot more conversations with you, Mm -hmm. and I think that would have saved us two years of fighting of fighting and and harder communication and we may have ended up saying yeah let's do it but we would have been so much more aligned roles and expectations that was so hard because we thought it'll fall into place it does not ever fall into place you really have to outline it and you have to be really honest with yourself am i okay with this role am i okay with this person taking on this part of the business because we have become so much better at working together now that we're in our own lanes <laughs> yeah like honestly and then our skills that make us so powerful as a team can really shine yeah so at the end of the day i would say consider it carefully yeah i will say this honestly on camera for the record emma jackson's the last business partner i've ever had in my life i'm not ever doing this again i swear <laughs> because it is so much work now that being said i would never we would not have grown so fast. Yeah, we wouldn't be here. 100%. I would not have learned this much. I feel like You've I have done accomplished. Ten years now, that's. A, I was gonna say. I feel like we have done ten years of work and like, like four. Like four. Yeah. Or actually, it was more like two when we really got our stuff together. And that's, that's the power of a partnership. Yeah. So I would say this. I think I'm more. I'm 32 years old now. I think I'm way. I know way more on one how to fundraise. Two how to actually structure things properly. Three understanding. The compensation of employees versus owners um, that I don't need to go into partnership with anybody. I can just say, hey, I have this other idea. Number one, Emma's going to be a business partner for the rest of my life. So I'm like, Emma, can I, uh, we take a couple hundred thousand dollars from this company to fund this company? She's like, all right, bad, say less. And then we just fund it. We hire the proper team to proper manage it. We don't ever have to, unless we do like a product raise or something like we were talking earlier today, where we're intentionally selling stakes because we're trying to fundraise, we don't really have to ever. Me personally, I don't really have to ever have another partner. I don't know. Life is full of possibilities. 
Yeah. I'm... 2024, I, I don't think so. But well, if that benefits you because you're starting off your career, you should do it. Or it benefits you in your long-term career because you want to do it and you think that provides value or they have something that really um, you need to succeed, do it. I think the key is just knowing what you're getting into. and Have a good lawyer. Yeah, definitely have a good lawyer. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any final takeaways about partnerships? I think, honestly, at the end of the day, partnerships are a great tool to have in your tool belt. I don't think that should be your uh, safety net. I think that should be an asset that you use to for growth on the financial and on the educational side of the corporation. Um, I think you should build an independent team that we learned this. Aside from the partnership, like board of directors, lawyers, accountants, stuff that can, one, create a lines of redundancy and prevent um, distrust. For example, Emma brought up independent audits um, we're on a private conversation offline when we're talking about this podcast. Oh, not... and we have a tiebreaker because there's two of us, right? Yeah. When we ha- we literally have in our operating agreement, we have, okay, if we're at an impasse and it's a company-wide decision that's outside of our expertise, we will bring someone in, one of our board members, and that's that's their job is to be a tiebreaker. And that way, it keeps things really clean. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, transparency is key. Um, creating multiple layers is key. Um, and just honestly, do it for the right reasons. Don't do it for the financial reasons. All right. We're going to keep having honest conversations about the stuff that no one talks about in business. So if you like this kind of content, please subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Music. Share this with friends and family, and we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I did it again.